but you still got to love the culture there, the coaching and that defense should be improved this year. So I, I, I think they're pretty dang close between the Titans and the Colts. All right. Welcome to today's episode of the Hot Read Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, James Foster. The other co-host, Easton Freeze, is gone, and I'm actually not sure where he is. Uh, he mentioned something about work, but it was a really long text message, and I didn't want to read it. So I'm not sure what he's doing. Uh, but I'm joined with, by Marcus Whitman, who is one of the best people covering the NFL, NFL draft, uh, puts in a ton of work, watches a lot of film, does a lot of film study, and has, um, you know, I think some of the most educational and informative content about football that's out there on the internet. So I would recommend uh, everybody go check him out. And uh, if, if, if we, if you want to just start by plugging all of your, uh, everything that you've got going on uh, before we get into it. Oh, I appreciate, appreciate the compliment, man. Um, yeah. You can find all of my stuff on YouTube. It's uh, just search that franchise guy on YouTube. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TFG underscore football. Uh, and I also have an audio podcast as well. That's the uh, fully inflated football podcast. And yes, that is a jab at Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's funny. So your name is uh, on YouTube is that franchise guy because um, you started as a Madden content creator and you've kind of um, that's right. like diversified and evolved. I, this was the first year that I did not buy Madden. I finally uh, held back the urge. How was this year's Madden? How what's kind of the morale in the Madden community about uh, specifically with franchise? I don't care what the mutt people think. Well, I'm sure everyone's well aware of the whole uh fix Madden franchise movement that started uh, by you. I, I can proudly I it wasn't started by me. Um no man, you're like a, I def- you're like a community organizer. You're Malcolm X. <laughs> I I definitely was one of the louder names on Twitter that that definitely helped push that. But um yeah, since then they have done some good work, believe it or not, on franchise. It's it's been slower than anybody would have wanted it to be. Um it's it's better now. I enjoy it more now just because there is a lot more depth and storylines that kind of build themselves. And I I would say I'm partially satisfied, but still there's a lot of stuff that you can be pretty upset about and a lot of more work that still needs to be done. So it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, I will say it's a lot better than like Madden 20 was like Mm -hmm. the absolute bottom Madden 19, honestly, was even worse, but yeah, I was going to say 19 with the Antonio Brown one. I just remember the, yeah, that was 19. Yeah. My, my thing is like, I'll come back to Madden if they fix the edge outside linebacker designation. That's that's just you're going to be, be like waiting about three thing. or four more yeah. years. Then <laughs> I've literally, <laughs> I think I've like if I go back in my old DMs, I probably DM'd um, Swami or whatever that the EA guy. Like, Andre, hey, can yeah, can y'all fix this? <laughs> um, so you are a Packers fan. Uh, wanted to give you a quick opportunity. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the Packers draft um, and you know, give you an opportunity to, uh, talk some shit on Quay Walker if you want, uh, you know, take the, take the floor. <laughs> so I, I liked their draft when uh-huh. you looked back on it, when all was said and done, um, really other than the Quay Walker pick, I think they nailed really down the board. They got everything they kind of needed, um, value totally lined up, especially like 
it's all, they're already a team that does a great job with late day two, early day three offensive linemen. Zach Thomas, Zach Thomas unfair. <laughs> I know factors. like, come on, man, they turned, they turned fricking uh, Royce Newman into a functional NFL mm-hmm. guard. And I didn't even think he was like, uh, I, I think I ended up with like a six to a priority on him. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely a, a, no strength for them, but you look at how John Runyon's developed. It's been the last 20 years. They just crank guys out. So to get yeah. actually like athletic, talented young guys and Zach Tom, who totally fits their system as mm-hmm. a wide zone blocker. He has five position flexibility. I had a second round grade on Zach Tom. So to get him in the fourth, where, uh, where was he ranked on yours? Because if, if you, I thought I was the highest person on Zach Tom in the draft community, but if you're higher on him than me, that's going to be a disappointment. Do you, I think do you Coleman remember actually, I think Coleman is oh, going to really? have us both beat, okay. but I had him, uh, I had him actually as a tackle, uh, right. as OT eight. Okay. Uh, second round grade with, let's see. So I had a second round on, on Raymond Mitchell, Tyler Smith, Tom and Abraham Lucas. Sounds right. Yeah. I, I had, yeah. I had Zach Tom as my 46th overall player. Um, and I, I like that you, that's interesting that you view him as a tackle because on uh tailgate, which is uh, with Austin Gale leaving is no longer a thing um, pretty soon, but on tailgate, Mike Renner mentioned Austin's leaving tailgate. He's leaving PFF. Yeah. He announced I it on, had no he announced idea. It on Twitter. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Kind of shocking. Um, Austin was okay. Austin and Mike were actually just on the pod a couple of weeks ago. Um, but he was mentioned. He said that uh, like NFL teams view Zach Tom as a tackle. Uh, the reason that there's all this talk about center is at the shrine bowl, or I can't remember which bowl he went to, but like they didn't have enough centers. So he was just, taking snaps mm-hmm. so that they could like function in practice. Um, but then uh, my guy, Justin Mello, who works at the draft network, he talked to Zach Tom directly. And he said that some teams view him as different places. I just think, you know, with his, the, the biggest thing with me for Zach Tom is like his recovery ability. He's just, he's never off balance. Uh, part of it's yeah. that he's, he has that low center of gravity. And so he's not, it's not like he's walking on stilts, but he also just has like really great natural agility and athleticism and stuff. So, yeah, I think, I think Zach Tom uh, will be great for green Bay. It's, it's interesting with the, with the offensive lineman, how green Bay is kind of, uh, I think universally recognized as an offensive line factory. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like green Bay and Baltimore with edge defenders are the two teams where it's like, you'll just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Even if you think they reach on a player, it's like, ah, they'll figure it out. You know? Yeah. Certain positions, certain teams. It's just like, like I, I wasn't a huge away guy last year, but the second Ravens got him. I was like, yeah, I mean, obviously. Right. And I, yeah. I was, just, I was the same with a job. I was like, well, I mean, yeah, not, I'm not <laughs> that too much. Um, but the, I, I will, I will bash on the Quay Walker pick though. If you're going to give me the opportunity oh, let's to do, do it. it. I, I do ba- think it bash was on my bash on my linebacker one. Let's hear it. <laughs> I genuinely think it was, it was one of the four or five worst picks in the entire mm-hmm. draft by any team because of a number of factors. And I think Quay Walker will probably be pretty damn good for them. So it's not, it's not really that it's number one is everybody knew green Bay had to walk out of this draft with an impact at wide receiver. So you see new Orleans make a move up for Chris Olave. You see Detroit make a move up for Jamison Williams. You see the Titans, 
involved in a trade that eventually right. landed them a receiver. You saw the Cardinals trading for a while. Everybody and their mother was moving up for wide receivers, except for green Bay who needed to do it more than anybody. Mm-hmm. So they don't do it. And then they take Quay Walker who the, the evaluation is what it is. I know a lot of NFL teams love his upside. They love that he played at Georgia and had clear rush lanes to, you know, go make tackles all day long. And mm-hmm. like, I could very well be wrong. He was my LB um, six. So mm-hmm. I had Troy Anderson, Nicobe Dean, Muma, Leo Chanel, and Devin Lloyd all ahead of him. Okay. So for me, to tell me that the gap between Walker at 22 and say in the second round with the 52nd pick, uh, Chad Muma or Leo Chanel. Mm-hmm. What about, hey, what about Christian th- Harris? <laughs> Christian Harris, I, I understand not uh, not going Christian Harris because he's he's kind of a different scheme fit. He's basically a safety, but right. Um, the whole process was was such a wasted opportunity for me because they end up trading two two second round picks to move up for Watson because they eventually had to do something, and that was fine. But there's such a, a better outcome would have been to me take Watson at 22 or, or flip your two first rounders and take, um, Wyatt. I was, I, I can never pull his name. Devontae Wyatt. <laughs> Thank you. Um, take Wyatt and then go Watson at 28. And you mm-hmm. had those two second round picks, which in my opinion, you should have used one of those to move up in the first to go get Burks or Jamison Williams or someone that right. would have been a true impact year one. And Watson can be, I really like how Watson fits in there, but Man, you could have walked out with those two, still gotten a linebacker at, at 52 that, in my opinion, actually would have been a better player. Mm-hmm. Um, not kickstart the run on linebackers by being the first team to draft a linebacker. There's no guarantee that Walker wouldn't have been there at 52. Right. Uh, it, it's unlikely, but, man, I would so much rather it. And that's if you had to take a linebacker in the first place, mm-hmm. which I don't think they did. Yeah. So, you could have gotten your linebacker at 52, get a guy like Chad Muma, Leo Chanel, um, Troy Anderson. There's all to a, me in a similar there's just, bucket. There's a huge log jam uh, in that yeah. kind of like 40. Cause I'm looking at my board right now. I had my top six linebackers were all ranked between rank 41 and 50. Like, and obviously that's yeah. just my evaluation. Um, so like I had Quay Walker at 41, but it's like, yeah, the difference between him and even, you know, taking like a project like Brandon Smith or something, um, totally agree with you. I mean, that's that's just kind of the 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 never ending uh, positional value debate, though, uh, mm-hmm. that we can have for the rest of eternity. What were there other were there any other picks that just around the league that really stuck out to you uh, as especially bad? Um, yeah, well, the draft started with one of the worst picks in right. Trayvon Walker, in my opinion. Um that one, that one was talked about a lot, so mm-hmm. we can gloss over that. But I think I really didn't like what the Vikings did with the picks, that kind of second, third-round cluster that they – that was the meat of their trade downs. They mm-hmm. ended up taking um, Ed Ingram out of LSU. Right, Ed Ingram. A Ingram. Caleb, a Caleb Evans – a Sizzy Atamawa. It, it was really the the Ingram pick and the 
Asamoah. That's probably um, the other one. Asamoah. Yeah. So Ingram could be fine. He has off-field concerns, which if they're comfortable with it, it is it is what it is. I still thought that was a little early for him. Uh, but then Asamoah, man, like that early, really did not understand that. I think he's a, you know, a dime linebacker that you just, man, if he's out there trying to defend the run, he is going to get just deleted from the run game. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed this with Brian Asamoah and he's a player that um, I was actually pretty high on. I had him, let's see, 66 or no, I had him 61st. Okay. He went 66. Um, but like, have you noticed how weird his tackling form is? It's like every mm-hmm. single tackle he's uh, clotheslining everyone by the neck. And like, he has, <laughs> he has really long arms. So he kind of makes it work at the yeah. college level, but I could, I could see him being a, a, a guy that misses a lot of tackles. Um, totally agree with you on, on Trayvon Walker. It's just, it's amazing to me after the complete dud that was Caleb on chase on that the Jaguars said that hitting like decided that hitting a double wasn't good enough for them. Like it, it, the position right there. And it's like, no, we, we have to swing for the fences as a Titans fan. I mean, I, I'm I don't want to interrupt bulky. He can keep going uh, as he's been going. Um, and then <laughs> the, uh, the other one, I just thought what I thought was honestly, probably the worst draft outside of new England that everybody's best interject. Oh, were you going to say draft total or draft pick? Yeah, just picks total. We're this is the shit talking segment where uh, you can just like, <laughs> any of the picks that made you mad. Um, but I was just gonna say Washington with Jahan Dotson and good God, Fedarian Mathis at forty-seven. I, yeah, man. that's an underwhelming haul. I especially the Fedarian Mathis pick to take right. him over Travis Jones, especially. Oh my gosh, I can't explain it. Cannot explain it. That's, that's it, it's literally the- them just having an Alabama bias is the only explanation for that. Right. There's kind of something I try to differentiate between when I were grading pick uh, grading draft classes or evaluating them after the fact is that there's, there's a different type of reach. Like um, I didn't have, I had Traylon Burks as like a second round player, but picking him at 18, given the circumstances, totally understandable. I'm not going to knock that pick and I can absolutely see how someone would have a first round grade on him. But then there's there's picks where it's just like, what film did you watch? Is there like, did they play some secret season and there's like another 12 games of tape? Because I just can't imagine <laughs> evaluate like having a higher grade on Fidarian Mathis than Travis Jones or like when the Titans last year traded up for Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth. Like the, those yeah. are, I think it's important to kind of emphasize those levels of reaches where it's like, there are some where it's just kind of objectively a reach. Yeah, I mean, you get a pretty good sense, like, as you're going through all these guys, like, when you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, they all mesh together because that you just, they don't stand out in the same way that someone that you should be taking in the first three rounds of the draft do. It's just, and Federian Mathis was one of those guys. It's like, well, and, and his DT class was really bad, so it, it did push him up a little bit, but, like, there's just nothing that he does that excites you. Yeah, I mean, um, he's he's kind of, the definition of just a, a pro ready, uh, low ceiling nose tackle. He's a third DT, which is exactly what they need, but why not have Travis Jones be your third DT? Like (laughs) just doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I do think the worst pick in the entire draft, uh, Ty Davis price. Oh yeah. I'm, I have, um, I basically have like all of my, 
I have all of, I do all my draft grades like automatically. I just subtract the uh, draft pick value of where I had them compared to like where they got picked. Um, sure. And so Tyron Davis price was actually, yeah, my second lowest graded pick. Um, first lowest graded was Wandale Robinson. He was my, Oh, that one was bad he too. Was my 178th player. They took him at 43. Um, yeah. The, uh, the, the quarterback class, it, it was kind of anticlimactic because I feel like it felt like we were ramping up. And I, I think that I agreed with your, your assessment of the quarterback class as a whole. Um, and that none of them were first round, you know, none of them were like lock first rounders. You could talk yourself yeah. into it. Um, but it, it felt like in the pre-draft process, I, I was kind of ramping up for this debate where I was going to defend, you know, I was going to, you know, say that, yeah, the Titans taking Malik Willis at 26, that was a reach or taking Sam Howell at 26. That was a reach. But then it's like all the quarterbacks fell to a point where it's no one reasonable could really criticize any of the quarterback picks, except I guess Bailey Zappi or Kenny Pickett, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what quarterback though, of those, the Malik Willis, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, like all the, all the earlier drafted quarterbacks, which one do you think went to uh, the best scheme fit for them? Mm. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I think I go Malik Willis. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I do like where Pickett ended up. I think mm-hmm. you're going to get a pretty spread style offense, which I think is where he's going to be comfortable. That one's, that one's definitely going to be a plug and play transition. Like I think he starts week one and it did make a lot of sense why, what they liked in him. And he'll be constant. He'll be under pressure constantly. So he can bail from the pocket. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He loves doing, I mean, Hey, right I had on. kind of a, a bad take that maybe wasn't a bad take in, in on Twitter. I said, uh, it might actually be better for Kenny Pickett that he's his tackle situation sucks because right. he's going to bail from clean pockets anyway. Yeah. So like if you're going to have a, if you have to have a bad tackle situation, you, you might as well have a quarterback that's not going to make the most of a good tackle situation anyway. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that does complement itself in a, in a messed up way. Uh, I'm not crazy about Ritter uh, in Atlanta. I, I like Ritter. I because just Desmond Ritter was kind of like the guy that everyone was, um, was saying was a good fit for the, the Shanahan wide zone type of offenses. Um, so that's interesting that, that you don't really, I like disagree that, with that assessment really? personally. I see him more as uh more of that spread style. Um, really good at reading defenses. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Shanahan system is, it's all about arm talent, accuracy, and ideally mobility. So he's got the mobility, right. but um, when you get into more spread or pro style offenses, you, you want a guy that can, really dissect get one to two to three quickly and mm-hmm. Ritter definitely can do that the whereas more of the Shanahan scheme it's a lot of long developing easier reads for me a guy like Matt Corral would have been a yeah. better scheme fit in that sort of situation certainly That's, Malik Willis I really liked Matt Corral for the Titans when you combine mobility arm talent and the fact that I'm not sure if he knows what cover two is (laughs) because it's like (laughs) the thing with and I think part of why Desmond Ritter was viewed as more pro ready is because when you looked at the offense he played in in contrast to UNC's offense Ole Miss's offense Liberty's offense where it's 
RPOs or bubble screens every single play. It's like, wow. I mean, this is basically the Tennessee Titans out here. Um, but you know, Matt Corral and, and Sam Howell, it's like, I have no idea if they can, if they can read a defense because bizarre. the the reads that they're making are, are just not uh, unrecognizable to what, what they would be doing um, in the NFL. And yeah, I, I think that Malik Willis, I, I think it is going to be interesting to see how he uh, see how he fits with the Titans, because obviously when you look at the arm talent and the ability to get out on the run and the fact that, um, you know, it's, mainly going to be one or two read uh, type of concepts. Obviously all that stuff is great, but um, I mean, he just, he has, and I'm working on my Malik Willis Willis video right now. So I'm rewatching all of his film, but I mean, he just has, I don't want to say irredeemable, but some truly mind boggling um, decision-making like, on his tape, I, I've I've never seen someone just be blind to defenders, like overhang defenders or whatever the way that he is. Do you see him as someone that um, needs a year to develop? Just kind of give me the rundown of your thoughts on Malik Willis. Yeah, I, I thought Willis needed two years uh, to feel good about putting him out there because, man, the highs are high, but mm-hmm. Jesus, dude, there's so much, so much bad on his tape, and um there's been a, a lot of just really dumb conversation on Twitter. Like the last couple of weeks, like people saying, Oh, Trey, like Willis was a better prospect than Trey Lance. And like, uh, that, I've seen that, that the, <laughs> and, guy, the guy who tweeted that is a, uh, a known bad take haver on in Titans. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But I, I have heard people say they were close as well. Not just that take. And I couldn't disagree more, man. I think there's a huge difference between being raw to the point where like you need to develop consistency and um, all that, like your typical raw, but there's raw and a lot of bad tendency. Like if you're raw and you have bad tendencies, I'm really concerned. And, like Trey and Lance was raw, but and you're a red shirt. Didn't senior. have any bad. And he's a red shirt junior, right? Oh, is he a junior? Yeah. Okay. I think he's a redshirt junior, but he is. Yeah. He is 20. He'll be 23 in his rookie year. I think. Um, cause yeah. In like Trey Lance's case, you just need to develop the processor, work on his accuracy a little bit. Malik Willis's tape. It's like, you need to find stuff that he's doing and say, no, you have to stop doing that. Uh, or you're going to, you're not going to last in the NFL. So it is what you were talking about. Like just effort throws under pressure, Mm -hmm. the, the propensity to scramble from clean pockets when read one's not there. Right. Uh, I don't think accuracy is really a concern for him. Uh, so that's definitely a, a good, good tick for him in that system. But man, yeah, they, they have a lot of stuff to work out of his game while they also develop a lot of stuff uh, when it comes to reading defenses and, I, I think he can get there. I really do, but it, it's going to be a long wait. And uh, he went to a good spot where he can sit for about two years with Tannehill there and good system for him. So we'll see um, in a couple of years, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I think that having him go in the third round where he's not going to have that pressure to start right away uh, is so great for him. And the, the organization won't be tied to him. Um, and it, it, I do kind of, I've been really thinking about what I actually, what my actual take is on Malik Willis's pocket presence, because 
on the one hand, you're correct. Like he is a habitual bailer of clean pockets. Um, if his first read isn't there, he's taking off. But a lot of times there's not even a second read like programmed into the play. It's the the mm-hmm. play is literally uh, we're going to run a double move uh, on the boundary. And you, if it's open, you're going to throw it. If not, you're going to run around. I, I think I was uh, organizing all my charting data. 10.9% of Malik Willis's throws came on broken plays last season. Just an insane <laughs> number. Insane. Um, so yeah, man, he uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad as someone that covers the Titans that he was not taken in the first round. So that the fan base's expectations are, are more appropriate for, uh, you know, what Malik Willis is as a prospect, but it's, it's the kind of thing I, I, I compare the Malik Willis pick uh, to your friend gifts you a thousand lottery tickets. It's like, hell yeah, I'll take a thousand lottery tickets, but I'm not quitting my job, you know, because I'm, I'm still probably not going to win. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I view Malik Willis is like the value at that point is just way too good to, to pass up. But, you know, I, I still don't think it's likely that he develops into a, a high end starter. Um, I, I did want to uh, kind of move off of the draft and talk about uh, your deep dive, your deep dive series that you're doing on YouTube right now. If you guys listening uh, want probably like the best consolidated resource to just get like a crash course on all the teams around the league, uh, Marcus does this deep dive series every summer where it's hour, hour and a half long videos where he's talking in detail about every player um, on the team. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, You have released your first two deep dives and the 32 and 31st ranked teams are the Texans and the Jaguars. So I'm assuming you view the AFC South as a a two team race. Uh, Am I correct? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair to say. Uh, I, I'm excited to see the Colts this year. I think, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm not going to spoil the the rankings here. That's right. that's part of the the deep dive series. Is I, I I like to build up the anticipation so that people don't know who's coming next. But okay. uh, yeah, it's it is definitely a, the Jags. Jags have a chance, like a uh-huh. tiny chance, because their potential is there. They have a lot of talent. But in, in most scenarios, yeah, it's going to be Colts Titans. Probably going to go to overtime twice again. Cause that seems every time those two teams play, those guys end up in overtime. Uh, but yeah, with, with Matt Ryan coming in, you probably have the best quarterback in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Tannehill are close, but the, the Titans are going to still compete, but I, I do think they're probably taking a half a step back before they can take two steps forward here, going from AJ Brown to Traylon Burks and, uh, obviously Tannehill's still there, but they're hoping Willis can raise their ceiling eventually, but you still got to love the culture there, the coaching and that defense should be improved this year. So I, I, I think they're pretty dang close between the Titans and the Colts. Now, Marcus, at one point, um, I have you quoted as saying Ryan Tannehill at, is the most overrated player in the NFL. Um, and this was, this was a while ago. Um, and so I just, I just wanted to get kind of like your updated take on Ryan Tannehill following that, uh, great playoff performance against Cincinnati. Has he, has he finally sold you? No, no, he has not. <laughs> uh, so I believe I said that 
after his first year in Tennessee. Yeah, I, th- I think it was like a year ago think, or something. But yeah, a year or two ago. I mean, the thing is, he is incredible when they can get that beautiful structure of play action set up for him. Like mm-hmm. he's so natural, just turning that head around and just putting perfectly placed balls Flip, on flipping those his hips, deep crosses and flipping his hips around too. He's really good at that, getting mm-hmm. his hips around on the boot. Um yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But just such a one-dimensional quarterback. Like right. you like his you like his accuracy. I think his arm talent is is functional, but when it gets to third down, he's one of the last quarterbacks in the league that I want. Like um among among starters. He just he he doesn't have that comfortable abil- uh, ability to you know, navigate pressure and extend plays and uh do more on third down essentially have that it factor and i think that shows up consistently in the playoffs nate tice uh uses the phrase you need your quarterback to get you a bucket and that's that's kind of where ryan Tannehill falls short i agree yep 100 percent. and yeah it just it 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 makes it so everything's got to be right you got to have oftentimes a lead where you can lean on the run game, lean on play action, and you need your defense to keep the score down as well. So it's not that you can't win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill or that you have to get rid of him as soon as possible. But I think as they kind of showed this year, like they're open to the idea of upgrading if if they can, if they can. Um, so I think yeah. he's in the middle of, like he's QB 16 ish, 14, 15, 16. And that's probably where I guess he would I wouldn't say he's the me. most overrated player in the right. NFL. Like who, who would you, who would you say, who do you think nowadays is overrated? Because I, if you asked me this last year, I would have said Darius Leonard, but I thought he played pretty well mm-hmm. this year. Um, and I, I think you made the point. Uh, it's like at a certain point, it, I guess, forcing fumbles just is a skill that he has you know when he first yes. comes on the scene he's causing all these turnovers it's like okay well sample size he'll regress to the mean at a certain point it's like all right i give up he he actually that is a skill that he has you know yeah yeah he had a huge year man and when you see the way he does it too like he just and he talks about how he's worked on his uh his boxing like he boxes in the off season and like that's how he's able to get that ball out so consistently so when when you feel better about that being you know, a sustainable trait and you see him kind of get better with his zone drops. Like he's, he's no longer for me, an overrated player. I actually really like him uh, quite yeah. a bit now. Does, I mean, does I it think, have, does it have to be Trayvon Diggs? Honestly? Like, oh, it might have to be Trayvon Diggs. But he, <sighs> he might be so overrated that like people, uh, people are starting to realize that he's, he's not good. I don't know the the whole overrated underrated thing. I'm sure will it always picks up um, as my, like, once we get into the season, we're playing football. My first thought was actually another cowboy, Dak Prescott. Oh, well, Hey, <laughs> so <laughs> me and Marcus were talking earlier. Marcus had this take like week four or something. If you like, if he were to tweet it right now, it, I don't even know if people would reply to it because it's not it's not even a hot take. But at the time, I guess it was a really hot take that Joe Burrow is better than Dak Prescott. And like, th- 
uh, Marcus got the most unjustified ratio in Twitter history. He was just getting roasted by Cowboys Twitter for it. Um, so that that is interesting because I've always – I feel like I'm kind of neutral on Dak Prescott. What about Dak do you think makes him overrated? Well, for me, I just – I think he's so much closer to Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill than people talk right. about. Okay. A lot of the stuff we talked about with Ryan Tannehill, it's the exact same criticisms I have on Dak. Very, very um, to the book on third down is really what it comes down to. Like he is going to – if the receiver gets open and, and those receivers do a damn good job of getting open down there in Dallas, mm-hmm. he's going to hit it. He's accurate. He's on time. Like just as you would say about Kirk cousins, Ryan Tannehill, like absolutely. Like it's a good thing he has. It makes him a solid starter, frankly, a player worth paying if you're Dallas. Cause he, he is a top 15 quarterback in the league, but he doesn't get you a bucket enough. He has all these athletic tools, but he doesn't use them. He hangs in the pocket a little bit too long. Uh, often there's situations where I want to see him run and he basically I've been saying this for years and if you follow their wide receiver moves they seem to think this as well if that first read isn't there for Dak what he likes to do is just put a well-placed 50-50 ball up Mm -hmm. he really doesn't navigate pressure a ton he's gonna find oftentimes Michael Gallup um it all started with having Dez and uh, he, he got a good rapport with Dalton Schultz last year. He's going to find his big bodied guy and just say, go get it, man. And that makes him entirely dependent on having receivers that can win in those situations. Now you like his accuracy to make that 50, 50 ball, maybe a 60, 40 ball, but I'd give me the quarterback that can find the escape lane and hit that tough throw on the move as his receivers are working back to him. That That's just a much better way to consistently convert those tough third downs. Um, But I think that's a big part of like him and Amari have never had this great rapport because that's the one thing Amari can't do is win tough, go get it balls. Michael Gallup has been that dude. They draft Jalen Tolbert. Who's totally that dude. They sign James Washington. Like they're just giving them kind of receivers that can go up and get it uh, in those tough situations. So I think Dak is better than Kirk, better than Tannehill, but in that tier, whereas right. most people will say he's a top 10 quarterback and you'll like, you brought up Nate Tice earlier. Nate Tice had, I think Dak ahead of Aaron Rodgers coming into the year. Oh man. So yeah. like, that's why I think Dak is overrated. <laughs> well, Nate Tice is going to like anyone who, whose footwork is as good as Dak's is. <laughs> that's true. Dak's, Dak's like the, Dak's the guy that, that quarterback coaches love, you know? Yes. Um, so I, I can understand Nate Tice being high on him. All right. Well, Marcus, I really appreciate uh, you coming on. Uh, just one more question that I wanted to ask um, as you're kind of uh, going back into the film, preparing for these deep dives that you're doing, uh, who are maybe a couple players under the radar guys that have stuck out um, that maybe myself and people listening should uh, go back and watch? NFL players or? Yeah, uh, yeah NFL prospects. players. Okay. Um, you mentioned, uh, you, you talked a lot about Jonathan Grinnard. I was, I was watching some Texans, uh, film. He's, he's been, uh, he's been a guy that's really stood out to me the way that he uses his length. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Grinnard's very technically refined. He's definitely a player that, uh, people need to be aware of. Uh, the one name that just came to my mind is, is actually Kwan Williams, uh, veteran oh. slot cornerback. He got a nice deal to go to Denver, right? Uh, 
believe <laughs> he was on, on the right. Niners mm-hmm. last year. Integral part of that defense. Just he defends the run better than some linebackers you see. Like just he's able to take on uh, tackles and tight ends in the run game. He's a he's a really talented player. I haven't watched um, a uh, I haven't watched Kawan Williams, but would Jalen Petrie be like a, a good comp in terms of like skill set and role, maybe? Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I think Petrie will probably be playing a little more safety for Houston just because they have like five different slot corners already on yeah. that roster. But right, um, definitely if you if you stuck Jalen Petrie in the slot, he would he would do that. I, I'm trying to draw a, a quarterback that maybe. It, it kind of, it, it was a, it was a poorly pan, planned question because you start with the 32nd ranked team. So naturally there's not going to be a ton of guys that, uh, <laughs> that stick out on the bad teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that list will definitely be growing. Um, so that's, I guess the beauty of the deep dive series, but I am, I am going like very, as I do my research, like I really have only been watching Texans Jags and the, the team that's coming up here on, on Friday. So how many I, I games? don't exactly how many games do you watch? Just like a few. So during the season, I, I rewatch all the condensed games on like right. Monday. That's like, that's my Monday is I just get, get through all the games. So I've already seen all these games, but I do uh, two games of all 22 for each team before I um, go back in and, you know, reassess, I guess. I got you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for uh, today's podcast episode. Again, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, to everybody listening, I think, uh, it's pretty evident that he knows what he's talking about. Uh, like he said, you know, he watches every game. I listen to him. I listen to him, you know, talk about the Titans and I'm like, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. So, uh, he gets my full endorsement. I think uh, he's someone that everybody should be paying attention to if you're interested in, uh, the NFL football in general. Um, Marcus, I appreciate you coming on everybody. Have a good one.